This is a CNA podcast. Doors are closing. During my time, we usually have just one professional skill, and that will see us through our entire career. But now I have to learn technical skills like Python, R, revise my math, and many other things. I think passion is the most important thing in learning new skills. That's 55 year old Kevin, who appears in a rather cute YouTube video on the IMDA website to promote a program called Tech Skills Accelerator, or TESA. This program, one of many out there, is specifically for citizens aged 40 and above to make mid-career switches in tech-related jobs. Adrian, when someone says tech jobs, what comes to your mind? The first thing that comes to my mind would be people in tech support, the people that I have to seek help from when I was in the office, whenever our computer printer is not working, and always for them to just tell us, I'll try to reset your computer, then everything will work again. Yeah, restart. <laughs> I have a picture of someone who wears t-shirt and jeans, maybe drinks a lot of Coca-Cola, toggling several tabs on his computer. You know, people who are pretty good at technical things like coding, right? Yeah, tech is a very broad term. Food delivery, entertainment, shopping, even educational businesses can be considered tech companies nowadays. A quick glance at the SkillsFuture website shows in-demand jobs are in the area of data analytics, social media marketing and management, as well as cybersecurity. Yeah. So in today's episode, we want to talk a bit more about making a career switch in general. I mean, we'll talk about that first. And then to tech in particular, since that's where a lot of the demand is and dare I say where the money also is. For sure. Our guest today is Janani Chandran, a senior product and program manager for Rakuten Asia. Janani started her career as a software engineer. Janani, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Kuspina and Adrian. Thank you so much for having me here. Let me start by asking you to share with us your own career journey. We understand you started as a software engineer. Have you always wanted to do that? Adrian was telling me before we started that he wished he had done computer science instead of business. So, yes, and I know, also like, wish that I bought Bitcoin when it was $1 as well. A lot of wishes. <laughs> Talk to us about your own journey in tech. Lots of people, when you talk to them about tech, the first impression that they have about us is either you are a computer programmer or you are mm. one of those people behind IT support. But let me tell you something, tech is much beyond that. You could be a programmer, you could be a data analyst, you could be a data scientist, you would have been even a QA tester. You could be a project manager, a program manager, or a tech architect. These are some of the roles that you haven't even heard of. So tech is way beyond that. Yeah. Tech careers are also a kind of progressing careers. Right. You can't directly switch into a role called product management without having much of information about what is a product. Mm. Similarly comes project management. You would have done some kind of project management in other industries, and now you want to switch into tech. I would say you would make a good project manager. Ooh. Project management is all about learning how to manage your budget, your tasks, 
Mm-hmm. Be motivated. So you'll be a good project manager rather than somebody who's been just coding. Right, so tech right. is a very broader word, and I would definitely laud at the efforts taken by the Skills Future Credit for people to try their hands into technology. Mm-hmm. And coming up to my own background, yes, I have done my engineering, and I started as a software engineer. I would say I'm very good in communication. I'm very good in stakeholder management. As a person, I'm very empathetic, and I can understand what the other person is trying to convey. So I could not stick on to a software engineer's role. For Why is that? Long. No, have empathy or stakeholder. Okay, it's more of order-taking role where you already got in a predefined requirements, and you were supposed to work on that. I see. But to me. I see myself in a role beyond that. I like talking to people. I like talking to my business on mm. what do you want to be done? Why it had to be done? So the curious kid in me was always alive, mm. and I had to feed that curious kid. Right. So I tried my hands on into QA. I'm also a very good tester because I like to try out things, find flaws with them. Is it working fine? Is something that I like to test. Even as a child, when I had got a pen or a pencil, I used to open up, unscrew every part, and then fix it again. Does it work fine? So I'm more mm. of that curious personality. I used to be a QA lead with PayPal. QA is all about quality assurance. In simpler words, okay. it means testing. We right. do send out so many products. Now let's talk about DBS Payla. Do you think that DBS wouldn't have tested it before sending it out to its users? No, right? They would right. have tested it multiple times mm, to make sure that mm. it works perfectly. So I've been one of the testers. So there is a person in charge of that testing process. Let's say for DBS Pila. Basically, to see how the things will break under pressure, right? Exactly. It's like being a consumer. Basically, they used to have these weird consumer tests. You be the worst consumer ever, and then see how the person responds. Like exactly. you ask for all kinds That's of stupid how. orders. And it's not just one person. You wouldn't believe there'll be a whole team testing on it. Mm. There would be a team behind it saying, "What happens when I enter invalid entries? What happens when thousands of them?" Are accessing the same application at the same time? Would it crash? Right. Right. We often right. hear that the performance of this application was not fine. There are people testing it every minute. So what I'm hearing from you is that we have this impression that oh, if you're a software engineer, you have to be a certain type, but it's not true. It depends on your personality as well. It depends on what you're interested in, right? Correct. So for that, we have a key term called transferable skills. You would have heard of. Yep. Transferable skills are the skills that you have learned either as a part of your school or your university or in your previous job. These are the skills that you're going to take with you from one job to another job. Yep. For certain people, it might be the ability to communicate well. For certain people, it might be solving others' problems. For me, it is specifically to work well in a team. Mm, right. So for everyone, I would say you should always go back and assess what you are transferable skills mm. are. What are your unique selling points? Okay. So these are the skills you're going to start with. You might be looking for a change of role from hotel management into tech. Let's take that example. Mm. So in that case, what are the transferable skills or what are the portable skills you are going to bring in from the hotel management career into your tech industry? 
which I guess is quite apparent for across all kinds of career pivot. You always try Absolutely. to see what you can retain and try to move across. But specifically for the IT trades, and we were doing our research, actually came across this salary guide. Given that in Singapore, we have to talk money first. Yes. <laughs> and this salary guide actually shows for software engineers specifically that the industry average starting pay, as for junior staff at least, is 4005 and the lead can be 8007 But when it goes a bit granular, a company like Google would be paying a junior at 6005 to a lead to as high as $21,000. Is this actually an accurate assessment of the kind of package that people who go into software engineering can be looking forward to? I cannot confirm on Google, but what you mentioned previously is the correct numbers. Mm. I can verify that. That's true. Okay, so that means it's good money. La. <laughs> it is. Yeah. I'm not sure of how the other industries pay, but yes, what Adrian mentioned is the right way the tech industry starts with. One thing we were talking about the scale is that it can vary quite a lot. And some companies are small, so they start off with a fairly average number. And then, of course, there are big, big MNCs and organizations. So if you make it to that level and then your trajectory is fairly high, you definitely can make that kind of money. La. Absolutely. The second tip I have for people who are interested for a career shift from some other industry into the tech is guys go and get a certification or try to complete a course. It might not be possible for everyone to join in an executive program, but look at the online courses that we have. Mm -hmm. Specifically in Singapore, all of us above 40, including me, have our skills future credit. Yep. Why don't yep. we use that money to do a course? Mm -hmm. I'm aware that even universities like SUTD is offering digital marketing or different kind of courses that you could do at a much lower cost. And there are some kind of internships provided along with the coursework where you can get a chance to try out what you have learned. Yeah, we'll come to that bit because sure. I have a few questions about that. But let's talk a little bit more about this idea that people have about myths and misconceptions. I consider myself to be quite low tech. Okay. I get very worried about tech stuff, the myths right, about, right. let's say, programming or tech. you have to be good at math. You have to have a pretty quick mind to learn new things. And like you said, you need Hi. to go and get the skills. I've tried some of these things before and it can be challenging. There's quite a lot of things to remember and you know, it's just a completely different part of your brain because my brain works quite differently and I don't know whether you've experienced doing a course where you are like oh my god I can't handle this what would you say to someone like that are we expecting too much or that's completely not how you should go about doing it that's completely not true <laughs> okay you don't have to be a math genius to come into the tech industry. See, often people think that it's more of software engineering where you think of algorithms. So if you're good in maths, your algorithm would be good. Mm. But there are other roles too. You could be a journalist who's very good in writing. And can you believe it? We do have a special role called a business analyst mm. who captures what the requirements are, what your business wants, translates it into a language that we understand. Right puts it into a simpler format and we build our products based mm. on that. So what is that skill you need here? I would say content writing. Yeah. Mm. If yeah. you are a journalist, you'd make a very good business analyst. Yeah. For yeah. every role, you don't have to be good in maths. You don't have to be good in programming. Like I said, if you have a mindset, you know, you have that curious kid within you. You want to try out different programs. Can I break that product? Can you believe it? Facebook or Google pays you money when you find flaws in their application. 
There are lots of companies, <laughs> including Microsoft. You could try out their applications. When you find faults, the program breaks here. You'd be rewarded with a big money. Why don't you try a job in testing then? We'd be welcome to have you. Yeah, Ajahn, why don't you try that? Yeah, yeah, I love to try out things and break things. As I was saying earlier on, you know, pull apart the pen and all that is something that I have been observing in one of my kids. So hopefully he will be going in the same direction as you did. Hi, my name is Julie Yu, and I'm the host of the new season of The Climate Conversations. From chefs to scientists, join me as we get personal with the people driving change in sustainability. Look out for our episodes wherever you get your podcasts. Trying to get into this tech space, I would imagine there has to be some form of prerequisite, regardless of the wide spectrum of role, whether it is the analyst writing staff or the QA job or yeah. a tech support role. What are some of the prerequisite that you think people should possess to make their entrance into this trade a bit easier? And if they don't, how should they go about acquiring them? Either you need a certification or you would have studied about it. Not all gets a chance to go and get a diploma or a degree. Try to study more about it. There are lots of online courses or try to get a certification. Imagine you have been a project manager in some other industry, say interior design, and then you want to now make a mark into the tech industry. So what can you do? I would rather look at a certification called as a project management professional. As a project management professional, you get a glimpse into the tech industry. How do you manage your requirements? How do you come up with a team schedule? How do you do the budget planning for the team? And how are you going to split your tasks? Mm. So all that you learn as a part of your project management. So all that you needed was a certification in this course. So all you need for breaking into the tech industry could be a certificate, could be a course. Right. But... They just teach you with the basics. That is not enough. Mm. That is to equip you with the basic skills. That's just to get you through the door. Just basically. get you through. That's mm. just to get you through. I would give you a suggestion is whatever you have learned as a part of your coursework, why don't you implement you? No one is stopping you. You, know? you could be having this in your mind that, oh, I want to be an animation designer. Go and sign up for a course. Complete the course and come up with your own projects. That's a strong tip mm, I give you. Mm. You would be having some free time, especially for working professionals. It might not be very convenient to spend four hours a day yeah. in coming up with your own projects. Yeah. But try for two hours every weekend. While you're learning something at course, mm. can you try to have your own project? You could build something, right. have a portfolio created. Mm. You could proudly take this portfolio while you go for job interviews and showcase them what have I learned what have I implemented mm. as a hiring manager I might not be able to understand what have you learned in this coursework but when I take a look at your portfolio and I see that you have tried to do some animation I'd be interested to hire you mm. I think that's an excellent point when I was doing outplacement I remember there was this guy he actually went for a free internship after doing a training in data analytics. And I was asking him, why are you doing this? It's free. Well, I need to gain the experience. And the experience did help him when the opportunity come because he managed to clear the assessment test easily compared to the rest of his classmates who just only possessed the academic knowledge. Absolutely. It's a good tip, yeah. And we are also in a world where lots of meetups happen. So if you ask me 15 years back, where there meetups now? These days, there are lots of meetups where people catch up over different things. Example is there is a group called Tech Ladies who encourage women to code. 
There's also a group called Women Who Code who talk about different challenges in coding and how could we address it. So there are lots of groups. Join the meetup groups. Try to socialize with them. There's also another thing you'd have heard about is hacker challenges, hackathon. They're not professional or ethical hackers, but these are the kind of code challenges. They get mm. a mini project. They try to sort it out with their code. Mm. So there are lots of opportunities. There are returnships. There are internships. You could also work on your own internal projects and showcase it to your potential employers. Crispina, right. for us, we need to join the Tech Gundu page. <laughs> what is that? Janani, I have to be honest with you. I don't think I can join a hacking group. <laughs> I think the only hacking I do is cough. Okay, the key message I'm hearing here is if you are interested, nothing can stop you. Essentially. Nothing can stop. Yeah. That's right. You will find ways to find all kinds of things to try and do and make it happen. That's good. And those people can be very confident and they are self-motivated. And that's great. I'm just wondering about people who may be less confident, who may be less sure about whether they can even manage this. Do you think... It is possible to be realistic and say, okay, you know what? I've given this a shot and it's not for me. And then perhaps I can pivot to something else. Is that something you've experienced or you've come across people who right. tried it and said, you know what? This isn't for me. And sometimes we have seen mm. that when such people with low confidence get a mentor, they start performing. Ah. Why do you need a mentor? We'll see it in the other way. All you need is some kind of moral support or a support on the journey that you need to take, the steps that you need to take, that baby steps that you mm. need to take. If you have a mentor, the person would be able to guide you. See, your mentor might not be able to map you to a job, forward your resume, but the mentor would be able to tell you, okay, if this is the challenge that you are facing, this should be the way you have to solve it. Okay. Okay. So that you learn from others' mistakes. Do you have to actively look for someone? How do you go about looking for a mentor? There are lots of communities which offer free mentorship programs as well for people who want to get into tech. So a few of the communities that I mentioned, the tech ladies, women who code, or even you could collaborate with Career Alley, which Mums at Work is doing. Ah, yes. So there yeah, are I've lots of, of opportunities yeah. for you to collaborate with people. And I'm glad that since 2020, we see that lots of them are happening online and you don't have to pay anything. Okay. There are people happy to volunteer. I am also interested to understand, although it seems like it is quite doable for many people, but would also the ability to comprehend this new knowledge, especially given how evolved that tech could be, mm. pose as a stumbling block for people who are a bit older? Because the general impression is market is for young people, for energetic people, people who can code overnight and all that kind of stuff. So having said that, there are news articles that showcase in 2017, an 82-year-old lady in Japan happens to be the world's oldest iPhone app developer and she actually did a career yeah. switch. Oh, wow. But that became news because she's an outlier. I would imagine people don't broadcast about, oh, you know, another 200 com science graduate from NUS. So what do you think about this? age thing? Do you think it is still something that only younger folks would make it easier to comprehend? Or are there people who think that it might be too late to make this switch into tech? I don't think so. There is an age limit. You have to remove that fear from your heart that how the younger generation treat me. It's not just in tech industry. I do have a friend who's around 63, 64 and doing very well in the finance industry. She's still working. So she is like the inspiration and she would say that a sailor becomes tough only when you hit the rough seas. 
I see that mm. the youngsters should take it as a lesson that we learn something from our seniors. They would have had more experience in problem solving. They would have also had some experience in critical decision making skills that we don't possess. You would have seen some big challenges and you would have quickly taken some decisions to help your product or help the industry that you worked on. So I think we should welcome people into our industry and we should learn from each other. We cannot expect them to start coding overnight. Of so course. probably you could start them on a support role. Mm. How could you start them on a one line code? Probably to take checks on is our production quality good? What could be the task we could assign them? We have to take baby steps there. When we're recording, news is coming out that Twitter is going to shed jobs. Elon Musk has said that he is going to fire a few thousand people at Twitter. So that's the other thing about tech, which is becoming quite apparent. There's quite a bit of churn and there's quite a bit of fear that, oh, shucks, when I move and I've made the switch and then now will my job be safe? Once you learn these skills, actually they are transferable. Unfortunately, what you said is true. There are lots of people like us, my friends as well, who have been impacted by mm. that. Often it happens in tech and I'll tell you the reality. What happens is you are working for a company, the other company pays you say 1.3 times your current salary and you take this decision. Okay, I'm moving from my current employer to a new employer. What happens? New employer might have given you a good package, a good bonus or even good shares, mm. but the company's projects doesn't take on well. Mm. So they'll have to fire. So that's why we call it in the tech industry as hire and fire. Mm. And that's a real thing that happens. Right. So all that you are left with is, key thing, your network. Don't be afraid to have connections. You would have to have something like LinkedIn, where you are able to prove your social networking skills. Establish your LinkedIn page. Showcase your potential employers what skills you have. Mm. Have people to write endorsements for you. Your ex-employers could be able to give you this word of mouth references always help. So always, I would say, have a networking profile on LinkedIn. Right. Uh, given your longevity in the tech space, I'm very certain you have been through and survived many of these tech winters and bad market situation. So based on your opinion, where do you think people should really aim for in order to get the best out of it? If they were to study hardware nowadays, I think it is not really as tangible as compared to software engineering. But moving forward with all the talk on AI, metaverse, etc., where do you think people should really look at in order to maximize the situation as well as the future? I would say focus on your crossover skills, the skills that you already have and you are going to use mm. it. One key example I can give you is if you are a finance person very good on Excel, you'd be a good data analyst. So look at the skills that you already have and how you could use it as a crossover point to move on to a new industry. You cannot start everything from scratch. And one more point about the tech industry is that the languages are evolving too. While I was in college, we had C, C++, then the concept of OOPS came in. These days I see JavaScript and things being in fashion. The technology is getting outdated every year. Probably in a few months time, you can see even companies launching something called as next version. This version has issues, so you'll have to upgrade automatically to the next version. So in that case, rather focus on the skills that you already have built and how you could use it in the next company. Yes. If you want to make a transition from another industry into tech, it is very much possible. Mm. Tech industry is not just about being a software engineer. If you are into marketing, you are very good in talking to people, gathering information. Why don't you do the pre-sales and that kind of information gathering for us so that we could develop a product so tech roles 
huge and varied and see what suits you and you'd be able to do it well. Yeah, I went to look up UX designer or user experiences oh, and sure, I was quite yeah. surprised to find that the things that they needed was adaptability, communication, empathy, problem solving, teamwork. And then I was thinking, hey, that's something I can do. <laughs> Nothing on that. Trust me, lots of times all you need is a paper and a pen. That's yeah. it. You could design an iPhone screen, right? You could draw things and there'll be somebody able to draw it for you. Or no? Yeah, that's going to be yeah. my next switch. Yeah, I'm going to dig out my crayons and yeah. <laughs> drawing block later. Thank you so much, Janini. Okay, I can safely say that I feel like I'm the most low-tech person on my team. But having listened to Janani, I think if I was forced to learn something or if I wanted to learn something, I could totally do it. Um, actually thinking back during COVID we had to record online and I had to learn all of these things and the number of YouTube videos I watched just to find that out but we did it and it was quite interesting for me yeah when it comes to tech it can seem very tough at first but like all things if you set aside some time if you have good mentors as well as teachers we can always develop those new skill sets our career switches do not have to be specifically in tech. I personally made a career switch uh, when I decided to move back to media, but learn in a completely different medium. It wasn't easy and there were a lot of tech things that I did have to learn, but I'm so glad I did it because, I don't know, it gave me a completely new lease on my work life. I'm so glad too. So it gave me a job to be <laughs> co-hosting this podcast. So we hope you took away something from this episode. We talked about a range of things to do with work, career. So be sure to follow this podcast so you know when a new episode is out. The team behind this podcast is Jacqueline Chan, Joanne Chan, Daniel Lee, and I'm Adrian Tan. And I'm Crispina Robert. See you next week.